The quarter moon rises at the end of an empty dirt road. A light breeze carries the faint sound of laughter and clinking glasses along with the scent of a light rain soon to come. A rusty chain creaks as the sign it bears settles in its resting spot. Hotel, it reads. Below it, saloon. Gals in fancy lace stockings once stood above this sign, blowing a kiss, winking an eye. You're convinced the sound you just heard was that of a boot hill upon the wooden walk, followed by the faint jingle of spurs. It can't be. Though the light is dim, you know no one else is out. A door closes across from your perch. That building is abandoned. As a chill ravages your body and ripples your skin, you toss your smoke and turn to head back inside. It feels like this has happened before. Welcome to the Rebel at Large Adventure Podcast. I'm Drifter. And I'm Gypsy. Talking about ghost towns, graveyards, outlaws, heroes, and ladies of the night. Howdy folks, thanks for joining us for yet another adventure. For the month of October, we're going to try and get you into the haunted season. This episode, we're going to share with you some of the haunted places that we've been to, And then the next episode is going to be about some of the tortured souls that we've visited. So sit back, relax, brew your favorite warm drink, and enjoy the episode. Whiskey? Um, don't they call those hot toddies? All right. (laughs) Well, cheers. The first stop in this adventure is the Bullock Hotel in Deadwood, South Dakota. So we're not going to get too much into the history of the town itself, and we're just going to share a bit of history about Seth Bullock during this episode, because we are going to save both of them for another episode in the future. So Seth Bullock and his business partner Saul Starr arrived in Deadwood in 1876. They came to the area with the intent of selling mining equipment and other necessary supplies. They opened their hardware store on the corner of Main and Wall Street, and they were thriving. The rear east side of the building was used as a warehouse for their wares. The front of the building was used as the hardware store. On September 26, 1879, the town of Deadwood was hit with a devastating fire. A coal lamp fell from the table in the Empire Bakery, and the fire quickly spread from one wooden building to the next. As the fire reached a hardware store that was storing gunpowder, the building exploded. In all, they lost 300 buildings and one man. John King, also known as Casino Jack, was killed. Seth and Saul's store was lucky because it did survive the fire. Unfortunately for the town and the two businessmen, another fire raced through town five years later in 1894. According to the Pioneer Times, the fire started in a boarding house on Main Street. Patronized by a careless and heedless element. Seth and Saul's store was one of the many businesses burnt down though only the hardware store in front was destroyed and the warehouse being made of brick, it survived, the men decided to change their business tactic and build Deadwood's finest hotel over the original store and warehouse. So construction on the new hotel began that same year, and it was completed two years later in 1896 at a cost of around 40000 bucks, Which is just over $1.3 million today. Seth had pink and white sandstone from Andrew's Quarry in Boulder Canyon brought in. 
Yeah, he was no longer going to build out of wood. It's a good idea. I think most of the people in that town finally got smart and started building out of brick. (laughs) Yeah, there was a time. Yep. Well, he wanted something that would last in case the town suffered another fire, obviously. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the side of the building, you can see the difference in the brick. The front of the building is the newer part and the back side is the original warehouse. So the pink brick up front and the original brick in the back side of it. When the three-story building was completed, it was decorated in Italianesque and Victorian styles. The hotel featured a large lobby with red velvet carpeting, brass chandeliers, oak trim, and a Stenway grand piano. He even built a restaurant that could seat a hundred people, in which he served exquisite choices such as lobster and pheasant. Near the dining room was the kitchen and the pantry. He also had an area set aside for salesmen to even store their sample cases. So where would they get lobster from? I always hear these like little mining towns and they have lobster clams. And I always think that's too far away from to be from the ocean. It's not like today where they can put them on a plane, you know? Yeah, it wouldn't be fresh. <laughs> Maybe it was canned lobster. Yeah, hopefully, I guess. Well, the second and the third floor were for the patrons looking for a place to stay. Seth had 63 rooms in total, and each was furnished with oak dressers and a brass bed, and he also heated the room with steam heat. Kind of cool. The hotel had large skylights in the ceiling, which would allow as much natural light in as possible, and each room had its own window. Back then, they did not have bathrooms in in their rooms like we're used to today. Kind of spoiled, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. So each floor had its own bathroom, as well as a library and a parlor located off the balcony. Business for Seth was booming, and in 1900, he purchased a small building that was next to the hotel and turned it into a gentleman's bar where he offered gambling, but they mostly just played poker there. Mm-hmm. Well, Seth only had the chance to enjoy the spoils from his hotel for nine more years. After that, he had passed away at the age of 70 on September 23, 1919, from colon cancer. Some stories say that Seth passed away in his hotel while staying in room 211. Others say he was at his home at 28 Van Buren Street in Deadwood, while many other stories note that Seth was at his ranch in Belfouche when he passed away. It seems like the only thing anybody agreed on was the actual day he passed away. (laughs) And the fact that he did pass away. Yeah. (laughs) We know he's dead. We just don't know where he died. Well, we couldn't find anything about what happened to the hotel after Seth passed away. The next information we have been able to gather is that the Ayers family purchased the hotel in 1976, and they turned it back into a hardware store. In need of money, the family actually auctioned off all of the original furniture. That's horrible That's to think shame. about. Yeah. Uh, then in 1990, the building was purchased by Bullock Properties with the plan to turn it back into a hotel. Kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. The building was in terrible condition, though. Most of the wood had rotted, causing several of the walls and the roofs in the rooms to collapse. And they removed over 10 semifuls of trash before they could actually even start the renovation. Well, now when you go to visit the Bullock Hotel, it doesn't look much like it did back in 1896. The first floor lobby is now full of a wide variety of slot machines. The only thing that is the same is the gentleman's bar, Bully's restaurant, and the cellar room. There are brass chandeliers in the lobby, but we doubt they're the original ones. Yeah. Uh, The grand staircase and the skylights are still original. The entire renovation of the building took two and a half years to complete. They used scraps of wallpaper and chips of paint to try and restore it to its former glory. 
The 63 rooms were reduced to 28 to make them bigger and give them the ability to add a bathroom in each room. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, some of the rooms even have a jacuzzi in them now. Sounds lovely right now. Mm. <laughs> Today, it is believed that the hotel is haunted by the former Seth Bullock as well as a child named Sarah. Some of the stories are based on facts, while others are more of the urban legend style Things you'd probably tell around the campfire, huh? Mm -hmm. So here are some of the stories and haunts that we've been able to gather about the ghosts that haunt the hotel even still today. So the cellar of the building, which is now known as Seth's Cellar, was once used as a makeshift hospital during the smallpox outbreak. Now they use it for weddings and events. It has a beautiful bar back with a stage for a band. When we were on the tour, the guide showed us a storage room that is located under the sidewalk. When you look up, you can see glass purple tiles they used to place in the sidewalk to provide light in the basement. Yeah, they're the same purple tiles we saw in Oregon, right? Yeah, down at the... Uh, the insane asylum, huh? Yeah, the hospital. Yeah, so we actually explained this to our tour guide, what they were. She had no idea, so it was kind of fun. She said that they like to sit there and uh, listen to people upstairs, outside smoking, talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can, you can hear really well when yeah. she pointed that out. You're like, oh, yeah, you can hear the whole conversation. Yeah, it's a little thinner right there. <laughs> yep. Well, Sarah is known to haunt the basement more so than Seth because it is believed that she passed away right there in the basement during the smallpox outbreak. One story I was able to find about Sarah is that she and her mother, Kitty, who worked at one of the brothels, were patients in the hospital. Sarah was by her mother's side when she passed away, and shortly after that, she passed away as well. Several children have reported to have seen a girl in the basement. They would follow her around with a promise of a friend and toys to play with. When the children would return to their parents, they would tell them that a tall man brought them back. Was that sad? One of the things I read, the kid pointed out in a picture who the man was, and it was actually Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, really? Yeah. He was a friend of Seth's, though. Yeah, and not a lot of people knew that till after Seth and Theodore passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of fun. I mean, it makes sense. They have the Theodore Roosevelt room there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, another story about hauntings in the basement was during a birthday party. They had about 40 balloons inflated, and every once in a while they would see one single balloon just being slowly dropped down as if it was being pulled. And then it would just float back up. Was that Pennywise? <laughs> we all float down here. Was it a red balloon? <laughs> they didn't specify that, but I kept huh. envisioning a red balloon when I was That one red balloon that. amongst a bunch of black ones? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> During the tour, they take you to all parts of the basement. Some of them are off limits because it is employee area. Mm. But you get to kind of walk through the hallways. And it's really cool because you can see all the original work that Seth and Saul put in to build this building. It's it's amazing, all the stacks of, of rocks. Mm -hmm. Well, the second floor of the building seems to have the most hauntings. Seth had his own private room in the hotel, room 211. And if we remember correctly, he used it as his office as well. Yeah, I feel like the, that's what they told us. Mm. Seth was known to run a tight ship and expected his employees to put in a hard day's work. When he was alive, he was known to walk the halls of the hotel to check on his employees and make sure his guests were well taken care of. Today, people say they have seen a man in old western wear walk in the hallways. When they go to talk to him, he disappears. <laughs> guests have also said they've been awakened in the night by someone calling out their name. 
only to find their significant other is sleeping. If guests don't see Seth wander the halls, they sometimes hear him as he walks around, whistling. The third floor of the hotel has had its hauntings as well. Some guests have told about waking up to the feeling of someone standing at the foot of the bed. That would be freaky. A little bit. Other guests have complained about electrical devices being turned on or off, which they the ghosts like that stuff, right? They can pull on that. Mm-hmm. We actually had that happen in Idaho to us, remember? Mm-hmm. And they've also felt a tap on their shoulder while walking down the hallway. No area of the hotel is off limits for Seth. He makes sure that everyone is taken care of. Well, the last part of our tour, they take you to Bully's Bar. As we were sitting at the tables on chairs they had set up for the diners, the tour guide was telling us that several of the hotel staff have had interactions with Seth in the bar. If a staff member is just standing around, it isn't uncommon for plates or cups to be thrown across the room. Their coffee machine has been known to just turn on on its own. And several folks have told stories about seeing Seth just sitting at the bar. Yeah, so as we were sitting there listening to all these stories, I was actually sitting at one of the booths. Yeah, we had kind of a semicircular booth. Yeah, so I was like on one end and then you were at the other. Mm -hmm. And I had my sunglasses on my head and they just kind of slowly started kind of getting pulled backwards off my head. So I, I reached up and I grabbed them to stop them from falling. And then I turned around thinking someone was behind me trying to mess around with me, but no one was there. Yeah, the only other person was way far away. Yeah, because it was like two semicircle booths next to each other. And he was clear on the other side of the mm-hmm. the one next to us. Yeah, and I, I'd, I, honestly, this is probably the closest I've ever been to having an interaction with a ghost. And I was a little spooked, but not as much as I thought I would be. It, it always kind of seems really scary to to see a ghost or anything like that. But it wasn't. I don't know. I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to run out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I quickly just grabbed my phone and started taking selfies to see if I could see Seth or, you know, anybody or anything standing behind me. But nothing was there. So I was hopeful but disappointed. Well, didn't – weren't you taking pictures and we had seen an orb before this had happened? We had seen an orb kind of behind the tour guide and then we'd seen an orb bigger. Mm-hmm. So like it was coming in our direction and then that happened, but you didn't catch anything after it. But I feel like we went through all the pictures and you had something approaching towards us orb-wise at least. Yeah, you're correct. I forgot about that. It was on the second floor and I swear it was outside of Seth's room that she was talking and we were standing there by the stairway and I was just taking a bunch of pictures because she was saying, you know, obviously room 211 is more haunted because it was Seth's room and someone was staying in the room at the time so we couldn't go in there. But yeah, I did. I'll have to see if I have my picture because it was really spooky. So when you are on a ghost tour or a hunt, they tell you to take pictures in threes because you can then go back through and kind of look at the first picture and compare them together. Mm -hmm. And that was that's what he's talking about is, you know, one of the pictures that wasn't anything there. Then the next picture, something was there. And then the next picture, that thing was getting bigger. And it clearly was not a speck of dust. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely have to try and find those. I forgot about that. (laughs) Well, when we went on the tour, we were not staying at the hotel. We were staying at the KOA just up the street. We had ridden the motorcycles out there and we're just camping it for, I think we were up there for about a week. Yeah, I feel it was like Monday through Friday or something we were there. 
But yeah, when we go back to Deadwood, we're definitely going to make sure we book a room there and bring all of our ghost hunting equipment. If you remember. Like your drone. Yeah, it's in the same bag. <laughs> yeah, I forgot my ghost hunting equipment one time. So, well, the tour is only a couple hours long and it's definitely well worth it to hear all the stories and you really get to see a pretty good view of of the building. So... A double bonus as well. They also let you drink. <laughs> I wasn't mad about that. Right. Well, the next haunted building we'll tell you about in Deadwood is actually just across the street from the Bullock Hotel, but it's on the north side of Wall Street in the area considered the Badlands. It also happens to be right next to the site of the original Number 10 Saloon, which is where Wild Bill was murdered. So the Badlands name came from the unethical happenings that took place in the area. It was full of bars, brothels, and any vice a person could desire. Other places call it sporting districts and red light districts and that sort of a thing. But yeah. they refer to it as the Badlands. So it's funny. When I was typing in the Badlands to try and find research on it, the uh, South Dakota has an actual area that you can go and visit called the Badlands. And mm -hmm. it, it's not Deadwood. It's like a camping kind of area. So I don't know if they named that area after this town or what. Likely. <laughs> the Fairmont Hotel was built in 1898, is reported to be the most haunted building in Deadwood. It is a red brick building, and the corner of it kind of reminds me of a castle with its witch hat-topped tower standing three stories tall. In 1903, the property was known as the European Hotel, and the main floor housed the mansion saloon. We, we were deciding what that said. Yeah, I didn't. It sounded like a funny name. I was thinking, was it supposed to be the Maison or something like that? But no, we double-checked it, and it is called the Mansion Saloon. Yeah, it must have been the biggest saloon there at the time. Or they wanted you to believe so. <laughs> well, the name later changed to Car and Berry Building after the new owners took it over. On top of offering a hotel and saloon, they also offered a barbershop in the basement and gambling. During Prohibition, the saloon turned into a speakeasy, and they had a very interesting way of serving alcohol. It's possibly one of the most interesting we've heard of. They had different types of alcohol stored in jugs that were hidden beneath the basement floor. The bartender would supply the men with a straw that went all the way to the jugs. We couldn't find any more specifics on this, but I kind of started to wonder, like, do you get your own jug of alcohol? No. <laughs> or do you share it with everybody else? Yes. Because if you are sharing, could you just think of all the backwash? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Well, today, the main floor of the building is home to the Oyster Bar and Casino. The second and third floor were, during its heyday, used by the girls to ply their trade. Today, when you visit, it looks nothing like it did back then. Ron Russo bought the hotel in 1989 and began renovations. When he purchased it, it was in dire need of upkeep. The former owners could not afford to upgrade the building, and Ron found out that he could not afford it either. We have since heard that Ron has sold the building, but this is secondhand information and we can neither confirm or deny it. Yeah. Also, isn't it in the basement of this that is your uh, the Deadwood Cigar Store? Um, I think you are correct. Yeah, it has that tunnel right outside of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where that is. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, I do think that you are correct in that. Mm -hmm. 
The only reason why I think maybe this information that he sold it is true is, I don't know if you remember when we were on the tour, the lady kept telling us, yeah, Ron's trying to sell the building. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And so I think maybe he ended up selling it. I don't know. I'll have to look more into that. Hmm. Uh, when we were in Deadwood, we went on the haunted brothel tour that they offer. And at the time, Ron still owned the building, but he did not take us on our tours. They did say he does tours, but we didn't get them. Right. Uh, we had a lady that we were told was a medium, and we were super excited to have her give us a tour because we thought that maybe she would be able to bring the spirits around for us. But we did not get any visits from those that had passed on while we were there. She was very medium, I guess, just kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She wasn't the most enthusiastic tour guide we've had. Yeah, but she wasn't really blasé. She she told really good stories, but it wasn't didn't kind of bring you in and feel like you were getting scared or anything, you know? Right. The first story we're going to share is about a former owner, Bernie Lisprins. Bernie loved to gamble and had a small casino at the hotel. He was known to carry around large amounts of cash on him in case someone wanted to come in and place some bets. When Bernie was found murdered, he did not have any cash on him, so it's reasonably believed that he may have been killed for his money. Mm -hmm. When Ron bought the hotel, he found the actual craps table that Bernie used to place bets on. So Maggie Broadwater tragically ended her life while staying in the hotel, and she may be one of the ghosts that still haunts the building today. Maggie was known throughout the Badlands as Marguerite and was a traveling soil dove. She had just returned from Thermopolis, Wyoming, where she was spending time with a man she had been seeing. It is unsure what happened while she was on her trip, but the town folk could tell that something upsetting had taken place as Maggie quickly went from bar to bar getting drunk. As the night went on, Maggie became more and more emotionally unstable. On August 28, 1907, Miss Rita Hall gave her account of what she saw transpire with Maggie. Quote, about 12.30 p.m. on August 28, 1907, I was upstairs in my house, and upon looking down and towards the Carberry building, I saw a woman put her foot out on the window on the third story and then sit on the window. She then got up on her hands and knees, turned around, and pushed herself off. She turned over in, and her fall struck the ground in the alley. End quote. She gone. <laughs> the streets of Deadwood at this time were not like the streets we are used to today. There were dirt roads that were covered in horse shit because no one was walking around behind the horses cleaning them up. Like they do in the parades, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were also covered in piss because people would just throw their bedpans out the window to empty them. There were no gutters for drainage like we have, and the least of the problems was garbage covering the streets. When Maggie jumped out of the third floor window into the alley, she landed on all of this. As disgusting as this sounds, it actually saved her life, according to one of the owners of the building, that is not what Maggie wanted. He testified, saying, quote, One of the girls had fallen. On her way to the hospital, she said she wanted to die. On August 30th, 1907, Maggie succumbed to her injuries at 5.30 p.m. The cause of death was listed as Hemorrhage and shock produced by a tear of the bladder and also by fractures of the jaw and left arm. This being caused by the deceased throwing herself from the window of the third story of the Carr and Barry building, in the opinion of the jury, with suicidal intent. I bet she had more broken bones than they actually had listed. There's a good chance of it. <laughs> During our tour, we got to go into Maggie's room, which is the fourth door from the stairs at the back of the building, and we were told this story as we stood by the window. 
Looking down, it makes you wonder how one would have survived such a fall like this, even if it was just for a few days. Maggie is believed to be the presence people feel the most in the room. There are stories of people feeling like their hair is being tugged, feelings of someone blowing in their ears, as well as their arm being moved while they are sleeping. My favorite story, a man was staying in the room while helping Ron with some renovations. He said he would wake up in the middle of the night to a feeling that someone was patting his butt. (laughs) Frisky. And maybe Maggie's still working and trying to earn some extra money. I don't know. Yeah. Or get him out of his room. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Maggie was buried at Mount Moriah Cemetery, but she was not the first Broadwater to be buried there. Almost a year to the day before Maggie jumped to her death, a baby named C.C. Broadwater died. The baby was later removed from the cemetery and shipped to an unknown location. Some people wonder if this was Maggie's baby and that she was so upset from the child's passing that she no longer wanted to live. Another tragic event that took place in the hotel involved two men in love with one woman. The girl was working out of the first room next to the stairs on the second floor. One of her clients named Vinegar. (laughs) I thought that was funny. That was his name. Yeah, definitely an uncommon name. We even kind of joked around, like, you could have renamed yourself something else if your name really was. Could have gone by Vinny. (laughs) Well, his name was Vinegar Rowan, and he was in love with her. But she did not return these same feelings. This was just a job for her. Vinegar found out that she was seeing another man, and this upset him. I'm not really sure how he didn't know in the first place. I mean, she was a working girl. Mm -hmm. How did did they meet and how did she earn her money? Right. No surprise for folk. (laughs) Well, he went to her room to confront her and the other man. And as he burst through the door, he found the two of them together in bed. Vinegar shot the man, killing him. And in a rage of fury, he accidentally shot himself in the leg while putting his pistol back in its holster. Vinegar ran down the stairs and out the building into the streets looking for help, but his wounds were too much, and he too passed away. Several people say as they are walking up or down the stairs, they get a feeling of someone rushing down the stairs past them. Maybe it's Vinegar running past them to try and get some help. Yeah, still needing it. (laughs) Shot himself in the leg. Yeah, I know, (laughs) poor guy. Well, though we didn't get to see any ghosts during our tour or have any haunting experiences, the building is well worth a tour just to be able to see inside. Obviously, we're touring areas that are not open to the public. Mm -hmm. So we hope that one day it will be fully restored back to its former glory. The second and third floor have these large 12-foot ceilings throughout with giant windows that allow you to see the entire view of Deadwood. The front windows of the building were used by the gals to stand out and entice men to come inside. That should kind of give you an idea of how big the windows are to be able to look up and see these full giant windows. Yeah, yeah. I hope that when they do restore the building that they try and keep it as original as possible. Also, you know who would be a a great person to help restore the building? Hmm. The owners of the Harkness Hotel. Oh, yeah. They're in uh, McCammon, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, they've done a great job with the Harkness. Yeah, and, and I can only imagine what they would do for this building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Our haunted trip to Deadwood and a couple of the places we visited. Deadwood has several other haunted tours to go on, but we only went on the two, and they did not disappoint. Mm-mm. 
So stay tuned because we do have an episode on the town itself as well as one on Seth Bullock. Right. So I guess you want to do a dad joke here before we leave? I do. Do you want to hear it? (laughs) Oh, good. I like that you're ready to hear my joke. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) This joke was shared with me by one of my coworkers. You know who you are and thank you for the joke. Are you ready now? Yeah, no, definitely. Please. If it's not funny, this isn't my joke, so. <laughs> so what did the custodian say when he jumped out of the closet? What did the custodian say when he jumped out of the closet? You want to know? I Please, yeah, pray tell. Supplies! <laughs> <laughs> Instead of... Surprise! I got, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I thought it was fitting because he's scaring people and it's a Halloween episode. He's got supplies. I'm going to say that for now on when I'm scaring people. Supplies! <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> all right. Well, if any of you have any jokes that you want to share with us, by all means, send them our way because she could use the help. And, uh, uh We'll definitely make sure to give you some credit if you feel so inclined. Yeah, that's if you want us to tell everyone who you are. But, I mean, come on. Why would you not want people to know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll list the, yeah, the emails in the show notes. <laughs> Supplies. Supplies. <laughs> all right. Well, we'd like to thank you all again for following along and supporting our little podcast. It means a lot to us. We're having a good time doing this, and Mm -hmm. we hope you are too. So if you'd like to travel along with us, we're most active on the Instagram. At Rebel at Large. We post photos of our adventures on our website. RebelAtLarge.com. And we'll be back to talk to you all here in a couple of weeks. Safe travels. We'll see you all down the road. In all, they lost 300 buildings and one man, Jack King, also known as Casino Jack. John King. Oh. That should be Jack King, but it's not. It is not. Some of the stories are based on facts, while other... I'm going to start that over. It sounded weird. Some of the stories are based on facts, while others... When you look up, you can see glass purple tiles they used to place in the sidewalk to provide light. When you look up, you can see glass. Jesus Christ. Their coffee machine has been known to just turn on. Yeah, which it was funny when I was like typing in the Badlands, like researching it. North Dakota, or not North Dakota, I'm sorry. The, what is Deadwood in the, the state? The Black Hills? Yeah, no, what's the state it's in? South Dakota? Yeah. So, let me start this over. She then gear. She fit. During our tour, we got to go into Maggie's room, which is on the fourth. It's not the fourth, it's the third, right? Which is the fourth door.
the baby was later removed from the cemetery and shipped to an unknown. Well, there you have it, folks. Let me restart that. Okay. So this show, this joke, 